filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. I am not throwing away my shot. And yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I'ma get a scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazing, astonished. The problem so, is I got a lot of brains. So, what's your problem? My cat is over here. She could be our cold open. Yeah, I think we just, that that's our, this is an awful cold open. Well, yes. <laughs> if this was a video podcast, I could show the, the, the people, our, my cat, She's usually not allowed in the podcast chamber, but then, she's this is so allowed. to not use this as a cold open. Okay, well then, you come up with something. <laughs> I've been trying trying to plan the show. I didn't. I had cats. I had cats, and you rejected cats. I didn't really do anything interesting over the weekend either. Really? Yeah, I don't yes, have you any. Did. You went out after the game. <laughs> I went to a wedding in Manassas. Really, no. <laughs> I drove my friend home. You know, for a show that's ending the sad streak of DC United, this is probably the saddest beginning of a show we've ever had. I'm not unhappy about what happened. I, I, don't, even, I, had, I don't even know how I'm going to edit this shit. Uh, the next day, I, I putzed around the house, drank some. It was, un, it was unremarkable, is the thing. Nothing interesting happened. I, I, mowed, I, mowed, I mowed my lawn today for the first time in two weeks. Hey, hey, welcome in. <laughs> this is the worst ever episode of Filibuster, the so, Black and Red United podcast. Sometimes the opening is just extra cold. <laughs> this, this was like, the opening of the show is is worse than cold. It is, it is semi-frozen. Uh, like I said, welcome to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I am Adam Taylor. Joined as always by the incredibly interesting duo <laughs> of Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where you can find us writing about DC United in a much more interesting way than the beginning of this show would indicate. Although Ben does have cats, so I'm just I'm not even gonna touch that. I'm just gonna leave that there. You'll probably hear her purring at some point during this episode. Crazy cat. Yep, we've got a good show for you tonight. Like I said, DC ended their Are you sure about that? sadness. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> there are things I'm not sure about. The tops of the list. Uh, DC United their 16 winless streak on Friday night, beating NYCFC two to one at Arcade. We're going to talk about that. These guys are going to force me to talk about USA and Mexico in the Concacaf Cup, even though I really don't want to. And we're going to talk a little bit about the. MLS playoff race uh, that, that is coming down to the last few weeks right now. Before we do any of that, though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking? Uh, so last week, uh, we had punishment shots, uh, or at least some of us did, Adam. Um, hey, and, Donald was uh, with me. That's true, but he was a guest. He gets to do what he pleases. Um, <laughs> somehow you did this. <laughs> Somehow I, I, that dynamic in my head works as you, you're the host, so you, you're stuck doing what the rest of us want. But anyway, uh, listeners may recall that I took a shot of mystery whiskey, and it was not good. Uh, I, I made it clear that it was not good, um, and it wasn't. That was not an act. Um, this week, since DC United won, I'm going the opposite direction. I have a Chimay uh, Grand Reserve 2015 Vintage. Uh, that's a beer. It's not a wine. Um it is made by the finest of Belgian monks in the finest of Belgian monasteries. It is absolutely delicious. Excellent. Chimay is wonderful. I, uh, last week I made a strategic mistake, I thought, in making a Manhattan the week before DC United was playing NYCFC. Um, it worked out well enough, though. They don't play in Manhattan. They don't play in Manhattan, but they're associated with Manhattan. A little bit. No, they're not. Anyway, Ben, <laughs> since it worked out well, I turned into the slide with the USA playing Mexico. 
This weekend I made a margarita. Ben, I made margs. Hashtag margs. <laughs> I'm rescuing the show with margs. No uh, more margs. <laughs> Zapopan, 100% agave tequila. No BS here. Just good, good margs. I mean, if you're going to do it, you should do it right. A note to all of our listeners. Pay the money to find the cheapest 100% agave tequila if you're feel if you feel like being cheap. It is so much better than Cuervo that it's not even funny. Just do it. Filibuster approves of 100% agave tequila. Yep. And with that PSA under your belt, Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking not tequila. I am drinking a mold cider because it's fall, and I I I decided to. Uh, slide into fall with some delicious mold cider. Are you wearing uh, a cardigan and a scarf walking around a wooded area? No, I'm in my house. I, I was mowing my lawn today. You are not Mr. Autumn. No, but uh, I'm drinking mold cider with bourbon, so meh. Okay. Did you mull it with... When you say mold spider, did you actually put it in? Uh, I, did, I, 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 I did not have a mold spider. I want to know about this mold spider. <laughs> I did not even realize I said that. Yes, no. We took a bottle of uh, local organic apple cider, poured it into a uh, pot on our uh, stove top, and then put mulling spices in it and then uh, heated it over the stove top before putting the bourbon in as I poured it into my glass. Excellent. Good work. You're when not did just you drinking hot cider, spider. you're drinking actual mold cider. I'm proud of you, Ben. I actually have a lot of, like, very large spiders that are scarily making giant webs around my house, so I could have grabbed any one of those giant, like, half-dollar-sized spiders and thrown them into my drink at any moment. It's, you know, sounds if you like had one tried to grab one of my... them, they probably would have grabbed you instead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did walk into one of their webs, and it basically enveloped me. Yeah, one of the there's a spider of similar size that likes to make a web that blocks me from getting to anything outside under my. I have a space under the house for lawn stuff, and it's just an obstruction every single time. And I don't really understand other than maybe they don't want me to do yard work. You, you've and, left it and, to the spider. Or, or the spider is just like, no, man, go inside, just go hang out. It's cool. And this is why <laughs> living in the city is better. We don't have giant damn spiders that can eat you. No, you do. You just they just don't come out. Right, they don't. They 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 respect our superiority. They respect our space. I was gonna say that. I I think the thing you need to say is that you don't have as much yard work to do, which is also, an absolutely an absolutely accurate statement. Also, that I hate yard I, work. I have not had to mow a lawn in more than well since I moved to DC. So in more than nine years. When I, when I see footage of California and people talking about the drought and saying, "Oh, you shouldn't water your yard," and they're there's been stories on the news about people having those yards that are just rocks. It's just a bunch of rocks in your yard. I am endlessly jealous of those people. You know, you could do that. No, I can't. Have to be I don't in California. Have, I don't have the authority to put rocks in my yard. You should either do it anyway. I mean, I could just do it and then it. I could just do it and then wait for the consequences to come around, <laughs> which might be you know months away. But eventually, it would. I would also have to buy the rocks myself, which I'm not. I, I just want there to be a bunch of rocks in the yard. That's all. I mean, I've if got you a lot have of rocks. Bring them to my house. I have. I have, a, I have a ton of river pebbles that uh, the previous owners of my house uh, threw about the uh, the the yard in a, in an attempt to not uh, have to do as much yard work. So and so, so they're they're using my they used my plan. Of yes, my, my yard. They did my, not do it well. My yard is just so big that it's only the, the like basically where you would put mulch instead of grass, they put river pebbles. So you can have all of my river pebbles. I'll bring them, them to you. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Problem solved. Yep. Except you guys still have spiders. Yeah, but I also have land and no no yard work means no having to deal with the spiders. For me, it would be like they don't exist anymore. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about soccer. DC United got off the schneid on Friday night, uh, specifically in the second half, coming from behind to beat NYCFC two to one. Goals from Fabiana Spindola and Al- Alvaro Sabarillo. We'll get to the goals shortly, but I want to talk about Chris Pontius. Ben, we saw the old Chris Pontius. We saw Party Boy, 
and it was a beautiful thing. And I don't just mean as far as physical appearance. No, yeah, it was really awesome to see him, uh, especially in the second half, but even somewhat in the first half, dominate a game. Unlike uh, anything we've seen uh, recently from him. And if he's able to put those kind of performances together consistently uh, down the stretch, it it makes it... He's challenging. He's obviously challenging Alvaro Sabarillo uh, for his starting spot, and if he can keep doing that, it's a toss-up as to what you do. It throws another wrench into the works, and it's a good wrench for Ben Olsen to have to consider. But if he plays like he did on uh, Friday night, you can't keep him on the bench. I mean, Sabarillo played well too, but it's... He did everything but score, and you have to imagine that uh, Pontius' goal is coming. So, Well, he did score. It was just well, happened to be a spindle was offside on the play. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, but, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's great to see him finally back. It's been like a year and a half since we've seen him like this. And, yeah, it just puts another delightful uh, problem for Ben Olsen to have to solve. Yeah, we saw little flashes early in the year of, of Chris Pontius blowing by a guy here or, or having a great touch uh, there. But this was the first time he kind of put it all together. And the most important thing for me was the decisiveness we saw. We didn't see tentative, I'm going to go, but I'm really not. He, he didn't hold things in reserve because he wanted to have an option. He wanted to take guys on in this game. And he, at one point, actually, he... On, on the shot that led to, um, well, this one, I guess, led to a corner kick. But he just put his head down and ran up the middle and then just stung a ball with a vicious strike uh, at, on, on goal, kept it on frame, and forced a, a really good save on a long-distance shot. And then later he, he cut inside and shot with his left foot, and that led to Fabi's goal directly. And also, uh, you reminded me, if he can continue to be that much of a threat from long distance – that's another wrinkle that DC United hasn't had uh, for a long time. And if they can make uh, other teams respect the long-distance shot, that just makes everybody in the box that much more dangerous because you can't just load up in the box and ignore the long-distance shot. If you have to uh, defend the Pontius special, you can't just drop off everybody and protect the box. Well, that's not the Pontius special. The well, Pontius that's... special traditionally used is his cut it to the right and curl it to the far from that left wing position. I know, I know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, if you, yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, Espindola's got a decent long-range shot. Perry Kitchen had one in college. I don't know what happened to it when he went pro. Um, but United's got some guys who can unleash Not this year. long-distance shots, but they just haven't for whatever reason. Rolf, Rolf has done it. Uh, he did it early in the year anyway. But for whatever reason, they're not willing to, to take those. Maybe maybe they do need to take more long-distance shots going forward, not go all the way to um, CONCACAF Champions League-level opponents just launching as soon as you get into the attacking half. Yeah, but if you have somebody like Pontius who can actually rip them on goal... Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's another weapon you have yeah, in your pocket. A long-distance shot now and again can open up passing lanes if you have to keep the defense mm-hmm. honest. So, Ben, you mentioned that, that Sabario started the game on the bench. Jason, what did you think of his effect as a sub? Because the game did change in the second half. Yeah, I, I think a lot, of what, a lot of what changed was just, I think New York became worn out um, due to the fact that they were having to do so much defending um, because they really did play pretty much from, from the moment they scored, which was in under a minute, um, they pretty much played to counter after that. They, they did have some spells of possession, but a lot of time it looked like they were just looking to launch counters. It didn't seem like they wanted to play on the front foot anymore. Um, and Sabrio helped break that up a little bit by offering United the, the aerial option, the physical option in the middle that isn't there with the Spindola and Rolf. And that was his job on the night, and that's going to be his job every single game. But um, on this night, I think it really benefited United quite a bit because... New York City isn't really comfortable defending that way anyway. 
Um, they don't really play well against balls in the air. They don't have the most physically imposing defenders, even with Jefferson Mina in this game, not that he normally would start. Um, but it's just generally a weakness of theirs. They're not a good team at fighting, and they're not a good team in the air. And Sabrio made sure that that actually was um, something that mattered. Um, obviously, the goal was not a header. Um, it was a goal that came about because of something else, but um, he did help change the tenor of the game. And, and I do think that the, the major thing that changed the game was just United getting on the board. Um, I think at that point, both clubs kind of had it in their head that this one was going to end 2-1 if, if United could find the goal fast enough. It was just a matter of beating the clock rather than... I, I think New York kind of were playing to finish the game out, and they were just hoping the whistle would blow, and that was it. There was no let's push this game and make sure we don't give up the other goal. It was just, let's hope that we hang on long enough to get out of this thing. Um, so Sombrio definitely made uh, some impact on how the game was being played. I don't think it was a particularly extensive impact. He, he did exercise an advantage that United had sort of left untouched earlier in the game by necessity with the players on the field. There's no way to, you can't ask Rolf and Espindola to, to play like Sabario does. They're just not going to work. Um, so it was a it was a nice thing to have. Um, certainly, uh, all the talk was that Sabrio was sort of touch and go to play at all, to play any part, and it was basically he woke up feeling like he could contribute some minutes off the bench. Um, because otherwise, maybe we're talking about um, Arietta trying to come into that 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 role instead, which he's definitely physical, but he's not as gifted in the air. He's not as physically strong. Um, Connor Doyle wasn't available, so he wouldn't have been able to, to try and do sort of Sabrio, not really. Um, so it was really a pleasant outcome that United got, what was it, 20, 30 minutes out of Sabrio in the end? Mm-hmm. Um, because they did, actually he was the only sub, and he did only play 20 minutes. So yeah. um, it did it did change the game somewhat, but I think the bigger thing was just Espindola getting his goal and both teams sort of concluding that this one had to end with United scoring again. Yeah, and it was great to see Sabario not only get a couple of chances, one in, in very very late, one in the 90th yep. minute that looked like a surefire goal, and I think yes. it was a it was a great read from uh, Josh Saunders to make the save because a lot of goalies would have been flat footed there. Um, and Saunders, he's not a great all round goalkeeper, but he's he's always been a decent shot stopper. Right. Um, and, but then Sabario kept at it and, and finished yeah, I mean, that, he, that stoppage it, time. It was two minutes later where he had to score, and he yeah, did and that time. So That is a forwards mentality. He completely yes. put it behind him and, and finished well, the next Because the, the, the thing is, at that point, he's not just putting behind that 90th-minute miss. He's also putting behind the last the previous – his Yeah, other than some of the a portion of the game against Columbus, he hasn't really been very good for quite a while, and he put it all behind him while playing with uh, a knee that wasn't good enough for him to start. Um, and who knows if who knows what Olsen's going to do when Sabrio's knee is healthy, and who knows what he would have done if Sabrio's knee had been healthy, because I think this game changes quite a bit if Rolf ends up in the midfield, because then Pontius probably doesn't play. Um, but we're not a hypothetical soccer game podcast. We are talking about reality. So um, it's definitely, just like Ben talked about with Pontius, it's a good problem to have right now, to have... Olsen having to choose, you know, we know that Kitchen and DeLeon and Rolf and Espindola will be out there, but it's nice to have the other spots in the front six come down to play, like, actual outcomes of play rather than just, well, you know, this guy is on paper better than that guy, so I guess he's just going to go. Um, it's a good spot to finally be in where uh, all, all, all of the front six and Sabrio coming in off the bench really earned their minutes. They earned... Uh, further looks. They earned a spot on the field recently rather than based on their whole resume. Even um, Halsty played better than he has yeah, recently. Um, and, and that's really important. Savarillo's improved play was more than just in front of goal. He was yeah. more useful in the buildup. He didn't have lead feet this time. Like His first touch was actually controlled and not just 10 yards in some random direction. Right. It was great. It was, it was really and, nice and to see. In, in bad conditions as well. Um, normally... Yeah. If you're having a problem with your touch, the, a game like that is not the day that it's going to come around. But um, for a lot of United's players, they were better at passing. And I think 
it wasn't necessarily that they played better in the rain or anything like that. I think there was an in- increased focus on getting this right um, and not just assuming it's going to be right, but really bearing down on the process of I'm going to make sure that my pass is going to the right place, that I'm controlling the ball. Um, you know, all that little thing stuff that is boring and um, completely unsexy for us to talk about, but that's how you win at soccer. Even even for teams that are more attack-minded, but for a team like United, you're not going to win very many games when you're fundamentally unsound. Yeah, and another thing that was a lot better in this game was movement off the ball. They didn't look like a like the games that haven't gone well in recent months. The Colorado game comes to mind, um, especially. They looked like a pickup team. They looked like they, they were a bunch of guys who got together once every week or two to play a game. They didn't look like they'd been training together and playing together now for the the main group of them for, for more than a year. But on Friday, they looked better. They looked like a, a, a decent to good soccer team, which was a nice step in the right direction. In fact, there were there were a few guys who had just outstanding games. A Spindola, uh, he didn't get an assist on Sabarillo's goal, but he played the poacher perfectly on his own goal. Perry Kitchen was right back to legendary Perry, um, breaking up plays and, and keeping I think, possession. I think, you mean, and, I think you mean Kerry Pitchen? Kerry as as Ramsey's Sandoval, or should I say Samsey's Randoval, called him. Um, Sean Franklin had another great game. He's a fullback who just has a knack for making key passes. For whatever reason, they're not always crosses, but he's got a way of they're, passing that they're not really, up shots. They're not even often crosses. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, yeah. A, he's a strange one. He overlaps, but he's more of a passing fullback than he is the what we think of when we think of an overlapping fullback, a guy that is on the run and then hits a cross, maybe only takes one touch in the build-up. Um, Franklin actually gets a fair no- – every week gets a fair number of passes, um, even though we would think of Kemp as the more attacking fullback. It's, I think a lot of games Franklin actually spends more time involved, engaged – I shouldn't say involved, engaged is a good way to put it, with mm-hmm. the attacking op- the, the attacking, attacking play for United. Yeah, I think Kemp is more likely to get to the end line than mm-hmm. Franklin is, but Franklin is going to spend more time on the ball in the attacking third. And, and, that, and that, the, the numbers there, third. he usually ends up with more passes attempted um, and fewer crosses attempted, which um, is only really indicative of a preference of what you do when you get the ball. But um, I think Franklin also puts himself in spots where he's up an option in the passing game, whereas Kemp usually isn't just an option. He's usually making a run that sort of dictates you have to give him the ball because otherwise his run forward is all risk and no reward. Right. Um, so that that's just a difference in the way that they play. And, and it benefits Franklin on the number side because he just keeps getting involved with setting people up for shots on goal, which for United means he's pretty valuable because we don't really take very many shots. Yeah. And when, when Sean Franklin's not on his game, he's passing to the wrong team now and again. It can be it can be really rough because United needs the width that he provides and needs that that extra. He's almost an extra midfielder, allowing Nick DeLeon to move inside. He's got more of a support role. Um, but uh, uh, sorry, when he's good, it's it, it can work very very well. And he was good in this one on both sides of the ball. He had great interceptions, great recoveries. Uh, lots of tackles in this game too, but he he along with everyone else in black and red got got overlooked for for team of the week. Fabiana Spindola <laughs> got an honorary mention this week on MLSsoccer.com's team of the week, but nobody else in black and red. Perry Kitchen for his great game, Chris Pontius for his outstanding work, Sean Franklin for being ridiculous, quietly ridiculous. That that's what I'm going to start calling Sean Franklin, quietly ridiculous. Um, none of them even got a mention on there. Breck Shea, for the simple fact of being a left-footed player playing right fullback, got got a team of the week mentioned this week. I mean, I, I know that Orlando won their game, uh, so that's nice, uh, but Montreal wasn't very good in that one. Um, it was a, an off week. We didn't the, the impact that we played did not show up for that game. Um, Two Chicago and, players made team of the week. Well, to be fair to them, one one of those two, one of Ship or Gilberto, had to get in there somewhere because they were both were really good. 
Um, but when I see Luke Mulholland getting recognized for his play against the Colorado Rapids, um, I kind of feel like beating the Rapids, it just doesn't count towards anything. You get your points, and that's the end of it. Uh, unless you really do something special, and he didn't. Um, and I think it's not really appropriate that he's in central midfield on, on that list with Perry Kitchen having outplayed uh, players that are much better than anyone the Rapids have to call on. Um, and also completing, you know, what was that? I think it was 41 of 45 passes yeah. um, in terrible conditions, outnumbered in central midfield. Um, that's that's an all around that's a kind of all, all around game that previously when when Will Trapp was injured there was all of a sudden a bunch of people paying like oh Harry Kitchen's actually playing really well we should pay more attention to him um, you know the, the people that are looking for the young national team prospects all of a sudden honed in on Perry Kitchen um, I don't know how this goes unrecognized because this is the kind of performance that that attention was all it was based around well have uh, you heard Matt the new it kid. I, I, Luke Mohan gets in ahead of um. Right, Mohan uh, did have a, a a nice strike for a goal, and I yes. think that's what got them in. And, like, and team a lot of, they always value goals. Well, any of these things. I mean, at the end of the season, we're going to see various MLS awards come out, and they're going to be given out based on someone who hasn't seen a player more than three times this season looking at the goals and assists list and saying, "Uh, okay, goals and assists, and you're in," um, because. I get the sense that a lot of people that vote on MLS awards don't actually watch that many games outside of their maybe their home team's own market. Um, in and in a lot of cities and in a lot of cases, it's or national even some national uh, pundits that will have a vote don't watch that many games. It seems like they'll recognize they'll say, "Oh, this such and such player's been playing well." And it's like that guy hasn't played well in like eight weeks. Um, but I mean, that's just how it is with any of these things. I've heard, it's I've heard irritating. I've heard Landon Donovan's been having a good season. Don Ovan, he just all he does is pass the ball to Hat Trick Rick. He has been having a really good season on Twitter. Um, it turns out he's <laughs> more now that he's unburdened by having to tone it down because he's a famous professional athlete. He, it turns out he's a much more interesting person than you would have thought. He's not entirely make, made of milk toast. Right. I mean, it, we remember his appearances on like Letterman and various late night talk shows or morning shows or what have you, and it would just be the most boring thing in the world. But it's kind of the world that you live in when you're an athlete like that. If you say anything interesting, it becomes a huge headache uh, and a possible impediment to your success on the field. So if you're smart, you're going to just be boring as possible, and then you know that stuff doesn't get in your way because no one cares if you're boring uh, on Letterman when it comes to your game on Saturday. Right. Um, but if you say something crazy, if you say something outlandish, all of a sudden it's a whole thing. So Landon Donovan, much better now off the field than he was at being off the field when he was on the field. So one last thing we do have to talk about in this game, and that is the fact that DC United once again gave up a very early goal, this one at around the 42nd mark. It was really unfortunate, and it's a pattern. And Jason, what what happened on this? I, I mean, basically United just overcommitted pretty badly onto the idea that this was the week that the the end of the early goals was coming. Um, I think they wanted to act in such a way. It was sort of like a fake it until you make it sort of thing. Um, which it is went the wh- complete other direction, though. It wasn't like we are yes. going to defend really well for this first five no. minutes and make sure nothing gets in. They were like, we are going to go score instead. Yes. Everyone says we're going to give it up, but no, we're going to go take one, and, and it, it didn't work. Which, which is a healthy attitude, but an attitude doesn't actually define what's going to happen to you. Um, and so United ended up with numbers pushed up all over the field, people in very high-risk positions and unable to do anything about it once uh, once they didn't have the ball. It was just sort of like, well, we've lost it, but now let's, let's press high maybe. But it wasn't an organized press. Um, and New York comes up the field and, and through some clever movement uh, ends up turning it into a goal really quickly. Yeah, so in, in, it even ended up where the ball, I think, went all the way back to Josh Saunders, and then they, they quickly moved the ball up to the right side, and Andrew Jacobson sent in a, a nice cross to a really unfortunately marked, which is to say unmarked, uh, David Villa. Bill Hameen made a really nice save, but Frank Lampard did what he's made a career doing and jumped on the rebound uh, with a late run into the box, also unmarked, 
Um, a lot of people want to blame Kofi Opari for this. I think it's probably more broad issue than just him, but he certainly didn't cover himself with glory on the play. Really? I mean, it's... Sorry, uh, I know, it's a cliche. I'm sorry. But it, it's but a it British really, cliche. It's in the soccer vernacular. I apologize to all the listeners. It's in the football vernacular. Maybe. Do you want to go, Pat? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> you guys going to take this outside? Let's all meet in, in Fredericksburg. Like, I, I'm in the middle here, so... <laughs> You guys can both come here. Jason and I'll, can come I'll, I'll just record my reactions to what's happening. <laughs> Mostly, though, it will be complaints about having had to travel to Fredericksburg. Um, I mean, we're, we're all going to complain about traveling to Fredericksburg. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're probably going to talk in traffic is the main thing. I've gotten stuck in a strip mall off the highway in Fredericksburg. There's There was just no way why, out of it, why, no why, way onto the highway. Why did you really, ever leave the highway in Fredericksburg? Because we were hungry. We were driving to Charlottesville after work. And we're hungry. You should, have, you should have taken 29. Please, let's oh, not... All Virginia not roads are the it. same to me. I'm not... Let's not, not go on to a Roots to Destinations podcast. We've done that before, uh, and I don't think it served us well. <laughs> we are not the Californians. <laughs> right. What about the 405, brah? That's it. We're, I'm, I'm calling this segment. We will be right back. Yes. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, you know how you're always going on and on about legal advice on this show? Well, and yeah. Not, and you never, ever use the term correctly? Well, of course not. I try not to use the term correctly. Right. Our new sponsors, the Ehrlich Law Office, they do use the term correctly all the time. In fact, that is what they do. Oh, so if I actually wanted legal advice, I should probably go to them? Yeah, exactly. If you're in Northern Virginia or the District of Columbia, they handle employment issues, general civil litigation, defamation, lots of stuff. Uh, they have you covered. Jason, I'm sorry, they do not have you covered because you are in Maryland where they are not operating just yet. Uh, fine. So Ehrlich Law Office, it's, a, it's really good people. Uh, Josh is their, their main proprietor, Josh Ehrlich. Uh, he's a law school friend of mine. His, one of their, their attorneys, Ben, uh, a lot of our listeners know him from games and, and other places. So, guys, for a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to filibuster. Uh, no, I'm not doing it, guys. There, go, it go. says in my notes what I have to talk about, and I'm not doing it. Goats? I would rather talk about goats than actually think about it's come it's come to this this is this is how much Jurgen Klinsmann has has killed talking about the national team is I would rather accept goats as a part of this podcast instead of raging against the dying of the light than than actually talk about Klinsmann anymore sometimes people come to the light in their own way and in their own time no this is this is not me accepting the validity. This is me making the point that Jurgen Klinsmann is really bad and should feel bad. You've accepted Goat as your personal lord and goat. We understand. Ben, have you been worshipping the goats this whole time? <laughs> I just thought it was a funny subject for us to bring up. <laughs> there was actually a story uh, I saw. I, I, I've been, I've been, Florida, I've, I've been drinking their blood and running for Senate, yes. A Florida okay. senatorial candidate sacrificed goats and drank their blood. That doesn't sound like goat worship, though. No, hashtag, but it does sound hashtag, like Florida man. Hashtag Florida man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the United States does play Mexico this Saturday in what oh, they're God. calling the CONCACAF Cup, 9.30 p.m. That's almost the at worst the thing Bowl, about it. At the Rose Bowl on Fox Sports 1 and I think Unimas, uh, or maybe Univision proper. Um Maybe yeah, I would think they would put that on the real. They would yeah. put. They would. They should put that one on the flagship. Yeah, um, so that'll so do it okay. It will be on broadcast in Spanish if you if you don't have cable. If you do, it's on Fox Sports One. If you want to watch it in English, the winner gets to go to Mother Russia in in 2017 for the Confederations Cup. Um, once again, I ask. Do I do do we have to do we have to talk about this game? I really don't want to feed the Clinzy troll anymore. Otherwise, we really on the weekend. 
my connection actually cut out there, so I assume that means oh. you don't have to talk about it. So. Nope, you're wrong. <sighs> Fine. I will very mechanically go through the motions. Ben, Jurgen yeah. Klinsmann has never lost to Mexico. Will that streak continue on Saturday? No. <laughs> so you think we lose? Yes. Even with with Mexico missing Giovanni Giovanni Dos Santos, what effect I, will he have on El Tri? I, I have two words for you: Ventura Alvarado. Yeah. What, all right. I can't even keep the mechanical <laughs> thing because what the hell is that guy doing in the in, in the roster? This, He's not it, even. This is a better reaction. <laughs> you can't you can't react to this team in a robotic way because it should be irritating to you. It's really irritating. And it Why used to be a source of like excitement and intrigue and fascination, and now it has been reduced to I mean, just I, something that's irritating. I would rather Jonathan Spector, who is also on this. Did he make the final squad? Yes, he did. Even know. Oh, he did. I would oh, rather, he's on there. I would rather him start at center back because he's been starting at center back for Birmingham City, right? I guess. I think so. I think I those like, are the words yeah, I heard. I stopped following the career watch, of Jonathan Spector. I don't watch the championship. I, for, Nobody yeah. watches the championship in this country. But I'm pretty sure that's that people. Fine I'm pretty sure that people, I'm pretty sure people have told me that he's been starting at center back. Regardless, even if he hasn't been, I would rather him start at center back than Ventura Alvarado, who was benched by Club America because he's not a long well. time ago. Yeah, like eight weeks ago. Um, yeah, Jason, do we? <laughs> even dare hazarding a lineup or even a formation for this? I mean, on one hand, it's definitely not going to work because Clinton's going to come up with some silly nonsense that we wouldn't think of because we're trying Nick, to think of things in a like reasonable manner. Nick Romano um, at left back. All right, here, let me... Let me he just... was a field player at one point. All right, let me throw... <laughs> and, he, and he will be this weekend, too. Let me throw out some prop bets that I that I'm just thinking up on the spot, and okay. you you will betting you, you is can illegal give me some case. odds. We're not you betting can, uh, monies. We're so just setting okay. odds. If other people want to bet money with a willing partner, odds that Jurgen Klinsmann runs out a a three five two or something else with a three man back line. Twenty percent. Uh, yeah, so I, I think those are pretty long. I would say I do percentages. I would say I would say twenty to one, just because of the fact that when he did talk for weeks about playing a three-five-two and called in a three-five-two roster, he used it for forty-five minutes and then inexplicably abandoned it. Which is why it would. I mean, in any circumstances, it would make no sense for it to happen. Which is why I think right. that there's a chance. But if if it was just for if it was a less aggressive, uh, well, screw this. I'm not doing it anymore than the halftime formation change uh, in Chile was, then I would agree. But because it seemed like Klinsman didn't like it, uh, I don't think we ever see it again because he, he does have his likes and dislikes, and they don't change. Or it takes a long, long time, which is why we're like three years away from the end of Ventura Alvarado's time as a starter. <laughs> odds, that, odds that never mind what he's been saying, Tim Howard gets the start over Brad Guzan. Hmm. Maybe like four to one. <laughs> Got a healthy chance. Two, two to one. <laughs> I I think that there's a real chance of that too. I I I think Guzan is more likely to start, but I would not even be a little bit surprised if. Let's read between the tea leaves. If you look at the roster photos, Evan Howard. If you look at the roster photos, uh, Howard is in green, while Romando and Guzan are in different colored. Uh, they're in yellow goalkeeper jerseys. So Ooh. U.S. Soccer is already telling us something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Probably> not. <laughs> Odds that Fabian Johnson starts have to be close to one to one. Odds. Oh, starts... oh, like 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 one to two. Odds that Fabian Johnson starts as a fullback or wingback. I mean, there are no. I would say I would say he he's more likely than not, but I can't say one to one. I would say like five to three. <laughs> um, where you have to allow for the possibility that he ends up in midfield, so that we get uh, some specialist center backs playing fullback, while some <laughs> some guys that are better at fullback play center back. 
this being Jurgen Klinsmann, I'm going to go with 7.5 to 5.83. Ben, wherever you do your gambling is very complicated. Sometimes there's percentages, sometimes there's there's uh, decimals. He doesn't, he, he doesn't gamble, he does daily fantasy. It, it's a, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> if this were a family podcast, I would be ripping into a tirade of profanity. I'm pretty sure you swore in the first 30 seconds of this episode. I'm trying not to make this X-rated. Last question before I move on from this really unfortunate topic. Are there any lockdown starters? I think Fabian Johnson should be one, but I I, I don't know. that. Michael Bradley, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Johnson and Bradley will definitely start somewhere in some kind of role. Josie at the start. Josie, Josie um, is basically a lock. Jermaine, Jermaine Jones, unless he's like dead, um, will start um, somewhere again. Where? He could that's play. The question. Yeah, well, no, I mean that's the problem is that with all of these players except maybe Dempsey, we don't actually know um, because we could see Jermaine Jones play center back because why not? That'll that'll work. Um, Left wing. We could see Bradley asked to play both as a six and as a ten, um, you know, in the same at the same time. Um, I guess Alejandro Bedoya going to start. Oh yeah, he's the other one. But will he start in defensive midfield? Yeah, no one, no one actually knows. That was the stupidest thing of all time. Wait, wait, wait! You realize this is a team that had (laughs) Timmy Chandler on it, (laughs) right? Though thankfully. Thankfully, he is not in the squad for this one. It was so. among the stupidest things of all time. Among right. our weapons are. Um, but no, I would I would say there's like six guys that you can bank on starting. It should probably be a higher number than that at this stage, especially when you just look at the players available. You should um, also probably play them in their actual positions. But we also, this is a roster that isn't made up of the best 23 American soccer players. Um in fact, several of those players were not even going to get a phone call saying, listen, I went another way. Sorry, you were close. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, Benny Fieldhaber, I'm sure, was not sitting around by the phone waiting for Klinsman to call him up and uh, announce that he was getting called in. I'm sure, he, mean, had, I'm sure he did something else that night, and I'm sure he, he was not even close to thinking, well, what if my phone goes off? You know, I, I need to be available for this. And, and let's be real. The, a, a retired guy is still probably amongst the best 23 U.S. Uh, men's players. I mean, maybe. We don't know what Landon Donovan has been eating or uh, doing as far as uh, fitness work goes. He might not be able to run anymore. It's entirely possible. His legs all we know is that he. All we know is that he's he's tweeting a lot more and he's going to have a, a kid soon. He can still pass the hat trick, Rick. Or we don't have a hat trick. Hat trick, Josie. <laughs> no, we don't. He doesn't. Wait, who's he going to score a hat trick against? Mexico. Oh, hat trick, no. Deuce. Tr- Trinidad and Tobago. Look, if, if if this game requires the U.S. to have someone score a hat trick, we are not going to win the game. That's <laughs> a that's a game that we lose six to three. Um, so you know that that's also a factor. This the U.S. hasn't lost to Mexico, but also is probably better not playing a wide-open game against Mexico, as has always been the case um, for the entire history of soccer in both countries. So that's a problem uh, as well. That, but I thought, the, I thought, the only good news is that Mexico is also in utter chaos. They have a coach that's only going to coach for this game, and then he's going to go back to coaching in, Mex- in Mexico with a club um, in uh, Tuca Ferretti. So that's a positive. Um, and, and Gio De Santos is hurt. Right, he's going to miss out. Uh, Rafa Marquez is still getting called in in Mexico. So basically what we're saying is that everyone that's good at <laughs> soccer in CONCACAF is also terrible at staying, you know, like doing the right thing. Like Costa Rica recently, their coach uh, was in a fight in the stands and had to quit. Um, so everyone that's good at soccer is also bad at like thinking. CONCACAF is Mag- a Mexican telenovela. Yeah. This is your time, Honduras and Jamaica, except Jamaica almost got knocked out at the first hurdle. Um, so... Miguel Hunter punched a guy. If you're if you're like Canada, Trinidad, Canada, or um, Belize, can't score a goal. Yeah, Canada, Canada of all people, this is your time. Like, if there's ever a chance for you to pounce, we're we're all standing around with our pants stuck around our ankles and we're about to fall over. Um, you should just <laughs> run past us to the finish line. This one time, Canada, this is your moment. 
eventually, eventually, someone smart is going to take a charge of one of these national teams. <laughs> I I will believe that when I see it. I figure it'll be Costa Rica first, and then Mexico, and then us, because we know Klinsman's been stuck until 2018, no matter what he does, short of, like, murdering someone. What if Canada hires Brennan Rogers? Oh, I don't think they have the money to do that, but um, if they did, I still think that would make them instantly the best coach team in CONCACAF. Probably. All right, let's turn our attention back to MLS. <laughs> Hooray, national <Stop>. team! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> America, you guys. America. Uh, the playoff race is starting to take shape. It's been taking shape for a long time. and It's, it's basically United, not in the East. Yeah, DC United has officially locked up a spot along with the Metros in the Eastern Conference. The, the other four now playoff spots uh, are still mathematically up for grabs, but no matter what, NYCFC and Orlando fans want to believe in their hearts of hearts, it's done. Well, NYCFC is officially eliminated, aren't they? Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're officially eliminated. After that loss, you're right. So Orlando still has a mathematical chance. They're one point behind behind, uh, Montreal below the the red line, Uh, but they have two games, or Montreal has two games in hand on them. So uh, they're already ahead, and they have two extra games to play Montreal over Orlando. Orlando's not going to catch them. They're not going to catch Toronto. so it looks like those, that those two Canadian teams, along with Columbus and New England, will be joining D.C. United and the Red Bulls in the playoffs. The only question remains is the order. Right now, the Red Bulls are well on top, and it's pretty likely they're going to win the conference regular season. Second place is up for grabs. D.C. United, even on games with New England and Columbus, has a one-point advantage. Uh, if Toronto FC wins their, their game in hand, they could leapfrog all three teams because uh, they're they're currently two points behind United. Montreal has another game in hand, but they're uh, a full six points back of D.C. United. So it really, of the the five teams besides the Red Bulls in, in playoff consi- uh, positions, they could finish in any order, which is can, pretty fun. Can I make a statement about, about MLS scheduling? Yes. I mean, you are a podcaster, so yeah. <laughs> You also edit, so you can definitely... You know what? Say, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going back. I'm changing my mind. No, Ben. You cannot talk you about You can do this that. whole show as her statement. You cannot talk about the fact that Montreal... I, I just want to say how ridiculous it is that Montreal... Montreal and New York have four games left while we only have two. I don't care about New York. I only care about Montreal. I, it, it's... Their excuse that they also had CONCACAF Champions League and they're still like this weekend they were still they still had three games in hand, now they have two games in hand is insane and ridiculous and Balderdash. And they're playing through the Balderdash. Balderdash. <laughs> they're actually playing through the CONCACAF window too. They play, I believe they play the Red Bulls on Wednesday, so that'll burn one of the games in hand for both of them. And then they play at Colorado again on Saturday. Um, the, the same, yeah, the same day that, that the U.S. plays Mexico, yep. um, and then New York Balder plays Dash. again next Wednesday. Balderdash and Poppycock. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a wild I mean, kind of. Well, they I mean they could have had the situation where United played 15 games in a two month span. Um, yeah. earlier, it just, you know, they didn't, so now those games, it's not like, those games don't disappear, you've got to play them sometime, and when they got those breaks at the beginning of the season, it was always going to come back at the end, so... Yeah, would you rather but, but have... I, I still feel like somehow United got more screwed than Montreal did. Well, we'll see what happens come playoff time, because if United can get their form together, they're not True, yeah. coming in playing, you know seven games in 21 days to enter the playoffs. Trotting out a team of corpses for the playoffs? Yeah, which is what Montreal is, and hopefully, hopefully the Red Bulls really go for that supporter shield. The Red Bulls only have that one one fewer game than Montreal, and they they don't rotate their team anywhere near as much as Montreal does. Right, when they get to the playoffs, unless they they throw essentially one of the games and just play their bench players, the Red Bulls are going to be running on fumes, well, even, if, even even though they won't have to play that play-in game. And let's talk about the, the like, the, the thing that people are ignoring is the fact that we don't know what the CCL is going to be like next year, 
if Ben Olsen is right, it's going to be they're going to switch to the calendar year format in 2017. So Which probably means this year's winners don't get into exactly nobody knows nobody knows what's going to happen to this year's winners vis-a-vis. Uh, Champions League. If I were in charge of CONCACAF, I would mix this entire season and have the hot teams at next year go into the following CCL. So, right. It's not up to CONCACAF. It's up to U.S. Soccer. Yeah. And if I was U.S. Soccer, I would do the same thing. You want your hottest teams playing in the next episode of the CCL. So who? Know, but regardless, who knows what's going to happen? They've got basically eight teams with a with a reasonable argument that are going to be playing for four slots come uh, the end of 2016. Hey, Ben, can you end the show with the next episode now? I'm going to send you the music because I don't know if you have it. What? Dre and Snoop, next episode. That's the closing music this week. I just I was just going to... Sorry, I took us off the rails. That's not my job. Yes. Continue. I was going to say that um, the thought of Ben, now that he has multiple cats podcasting with him, the thought of Ben being in charge of CONCACAF naturally leads to its end point, which is Ben having an apartment for his cats, which maybe, if that became true, it would just become, at that point, you have to assume that whoever is in charge of CONCACAF, no matter how noble they were starting out, ends up with an apartment for their cats. Somehow an apartment of cats in Richmond sounds way sadder than an apartment for cats in Trump Tower. All right, but what if what if Ben's cat apartment is actually more glorious than Chuck Blazer's? I mean, what I, if he I, grows I, out a more glorious beard? Like um, all, which, also, also, then I, I would respect that. If yeah. I got these, if I got the same amount of Concacaf money, I could buy a lot more cat apartment here in Richmond than I could in uh, New York City. Building. I could have like you'd a have cat. A, I could have a cat mansion. You'd have a cat homestead. I, I could. I could have a cat I think, plantation. I think the the biggest whoa, thing you whoa, could do whoa, would be whoa 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 you're you're in the capital of the Confederacy stay away from the the board plantation dude I, I would just say, I would think maybe the thing to do is to actually purchase the governor's mansion from the state of Virginia and make that a cat domicile Com- Commonwealth uh, I don't acknowledge the word Commonwealth as a, as an indicator of statehood because the word is statehood. Um, Commonwealth is like the, using football instead of soccer when you're an American. Um, it's no good. Um, take that. The, what is that? Three Commonwealths? Uh, I believe Kentucky, Kentucky, Virginia, Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. Yeah. You notice that all the, newer, um, the, all the newer Western states were like, yeah, we're going to go with this state thing instead. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that's what... That's what the end of this should be, is CONCACAF relocates to Ben's place in Richmond, which is now the governor's mansion. But will be Ben's place, in which he has filled it with cats. It, it won't actually be my place. It'll be my cat's place. That's true. That's and true. they will run um, CONCACAF. And maybe there will be, like, a statue of a cat outside. And it'll be less well. corrupt somehow, and Obviously. somehow more efficiently run. <laughs> it'll just be, like, lazy. They'll just be like, oh, I'm sleepy. Flop. This is a much better ending to the show than... <laughs> continue to talk about MLS Cup playoffs. So, so I'm calling it. Thank you all for listening uh, this week. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send your email to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. And we are also on SoundCloud. Mostly tell a friend about the show. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you real soon. For Jason and Ben and Ben's cats, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. Bye, cats. King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but dag, I'm amazed and astonished. The problem is a lot, a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a high.